0: Welcome to the Stereoactive Movie Club. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm here with Alicia, Mia, Stephen, and our special guest for this round of movies, Michelle. And we're going to be talking about the 1957 film Wild Strawberries, directed by Ingmar Bergman. But before we go on, let's hear from everyone about one movie they've watched recently that they want to talk about here.
1: Stephen, let's start with you. I watched uh, the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, it was on Netflix. Uh, my nephew alerted me to it and I hadn't seen it in the theater. So I wanted to watch it. Um, it was it was pretty good. Um, it's really awkward. I've gotten to this age where I actually like see biopics of people that I really remember. <laughs> so it was kind of weird to see a kind of a dramatization of events that you've kind of lived through. Um, but overall, it was good. It was Pretty strongly acted. Um, and then some of the stuff was, I, I think it was just more about the music for me. I really did enjoy just hearing the music again and just remembering all of the, the hits that she came up with. And, you know, but they were a little light on story, I felt like. They kind of breezed over a lot of things. But that's kind of the problem when you have somebody who has such a storied career as her with a lot of different issues that came up. Um, but overall, you know, it was a good two, two hours and 24 minutes, which I also felt was long. So that was kind of interesting that it was very long, but yet it wasn't very substantive. But overall, it was fine. It was good.
2: All Who right. played Whitney? Yeah. Sorry.
1: Um, what was Do that you know? actress's name? I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I, I hadn't seen her. I hadn't Not seen it. her in anything before, but that doesn't, that's kind of meaningless. Oh, uh again. steven did hmm? they cover her drug use? they did and that was kind of one of the issues that i had had because at some point like when she and bobby brown are getting divorced or she trying to drop a hammer on him she's like the press is really blaming him for her drug use and she's like we started this way before and they had some scenes of her like maybe smoking weed but it didn't seem like she had a problem necessarily um so that was kind of I felt like that was kind of glossed over a little bit, or it was much worse when she was with Bobby, which might've been the truth. Um, But they also brought in her relationship with her, um, her friend, I guess, Robin, I don't know if necessarily they were friends or lovers or whatnot, but they did bring that in to make it, you know, that they actually were in kind of a relationship and they lived together. But um, so that was kind of a surprise to me that they did that because I think it was done by her, um, her estate. So that was kind of an interesting take, which I think was kind of, it was kind of good that they put that in because I remember at the time they always speculated it. Cause you know, you always saw it in the tabloid covers and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it, you know, it was, it was good. Alicia, what have you watched recently?
2: No, I really can't think of any movie that I watched, like, that I haven't mentioned on here. I mean, I watched, okay. I did watch a movie. I watched a view from the top with Gwyneth Paltrow and I watched that because, <laughs> there was a, how did this get made episode mm. about it that I wanted to, um, listen to and understand. So I watched that is not good. It's, um, <laughs> it was very confused. It came out in like 2003 and it's, she wants to be a steward. Or she wants to be a flight attendant, I should say. And, um, then she, it's, it's a very confused movie. It's like, it wants to be a broad comedy in some parts and it's, Also, like, trying to be a rom-com of sorts, but it's not that funny in those parts. It's very grounded in some scenes, and it's very—it's just all over the place. It's a mess. Um, But (laughs) I watched it.
0: (laughs) Michelle, what have you watched?
3: A couple weeks ago when we were in the Midwest, we saw Super Mario Brothers in the theater with some uh, kid family members and Zoe. And I—my expectations were very low. (laughs) So I actually kind of enjoyed it. Jack, on the other hand, was very critical of it. So I've made fun of him for that. You know, he was like saying, it didn't show enough of New York City. Like the scene that was supposed to be in Dumbo, like it wasn't, <laughs> you didn't portray Dumbo as accurately. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, most of the country in the world, they don't care about Dumbo, don't know about Dumbo. And it doesn't matter. It's a fantasy and but yeah, it was all right, you know, and um, I think that they could have gone a little bit further even with the nostalgia, but there was a nice amount of it for, you know, us <laughs> who grew up a little bit playing those games. So it was it was fun. OK,
0: and yeah.
4: Mia. Um, I haven't watched any movies. I'm going to count Succession. <laughs> a movie, though. (laughs) That's all I care about right now. So. You can shake your head, (laughs) (laughs) Stephen. All right. All right.
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to say 127 hours, uh, which we both watched. So um, a while ago It's more than a week ago. More more than since we watched that before the last time we recorded. Um, So I'm dipping into that that possibility of going back further. Um, but it, it's a movie that I avoided when it came out. Cause I, I don't know. I think I was just kind of over the Danny Boyle thing at that point for some reason. And um, I don't know. There, there was just something about the story that I was just like, I don't think I need to see this. I don't and, and like the narrative around the movie. It was, as it was released was that like people um, were fainting or throwing up and stuff because for people who don't know, it's it's a dramatization of that hiker who got his arm stuck while he was hiking out. And um, I don't remember where now, but um, and then he had to cut his own arm off his, uh, with a pocket knife. Um, so very intense. But I thought it was a really good movie, actually. It was much better than I ever thought it would be. I kind of wished I had seen it in a movie theater when it was out, because I think that that experience would have just been like even more intense in a good way. Um, and it was just like I said Just better than I expected And uh, the reason I watched it was because It got covered on Blank check they're doing a Danny Boyle Miniseries and they made They made it sound more appealing than I ever thought It was going to be um, Yeah, so.
1: I think that it was nominated for an Academy Award Wasn't it?
0: Yeah it was nominated for Best Picture yeah. Best Director Best Actor mm-hmm. um, I think it won Something maybe But I don't recall But But that was also the year that Franco and Hathaway hosted mm. the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember it being very aware that he was nominated for an Oscar and hosting, and he seemed so disinterested in the one job. And then having seen the movie now, he was very good in the movie. Mm. Like I, I think he deserved that nomination. I mean, you could say what he, what you want about how scummy he may be as a real person. I don't think we all knew that at that time. We knew he was kind of like this guy putting himself out there, this art freak or whatever you want to say. But um, yeah.
1: Anyway, maybe problematic, but the movie's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to add, I did look up who was uh, starring as Whitney in the Whitney Houston biopic, and it was Naomi Ackie, who I hadn't seen in anything other than Star Wars. I just had to look her up. She was in uh, Rise of the Skywalker, and she played, if anybody saw that, she was the woman who might have been Lando Calrissian's daughter, but they didn't uh, really like, <laughs> yeah. explain that very well. But she's, yeah, that yeah.
0: was who she was. God, that was one of the most awkward Little moment at the end of that movie of like maybe we should go on an adventure together. And you're like, wait, they're kind of hinting you she might be his daughter, but also it seems like he's into her because he's Lando, uh, and he's just into everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly, pansexual Lando Calrissian. Um, anyway. So for those who may not have listened to the show before, this is a podcast where we discuss movies that have appeared on Sight & Sound Magazine's poll of the greatest movies ever made that comes out every 10 years. And again, this time we're talking about Wild Strawberries. But before we get into the history and background of the movie, what did each of us know about it going into this viewing? Who had seen it before? And if you hadn't, what were you expecting, if anything? And Alicia, since you picked this one, can you start us off and also remind everyone why you chose it?
2: Um, so yes, I have seen this movie before. Um I had seen I I know when we did Persona, I we kind of talked about which Bergman movies we had seen and I I've, I've seen this one, uh, The Seventh Seal and one other one, I think it was Winter Light. Um but I I'd have to look at the full like plot description to be sure. But um yeah, I just uh, I remember like really having a strong emotional-like reaction to it the first time I saw it. And um, I just kind of wanted to revisit it. I, I hadn't seen it again since then, and that was probably at least 10, 15 years ago that I watched it. So I just wanted to give it another go. <laughs> that was really my only real reasoning for it this time around. So,
0: Michelle, how about you?
2: Um, I also saw it
3: probably 20 to 25 years ago on VHS. I don't remember... What inspired me to choose it, if it was for a class or anything, But I, too had a vague recollection that I liked it, that I was surprised by how much I liked it. But I didn't really remember a lot of the details, um, just that he was traveling in the car. and I think I had a an image of him lying down in the, you know, in a field um and watching his past part of his past kind of play out in front of him. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I was, you know, looking forward to revisiting it and seeing if now 20, 25 years older, if it resonated
0: more. Okay. And Mia.
4: So I had not seen this movie before. And other than watching persona, I was not super familiar or am not super familiar with Bergman's work. Um, but I guess having seen Persona and the you know kind of mind meldingness of that movie, I went into this with maybe like a slight bit of trepidation. I'm just like, okay, what is this going to be? And luckily it was a bit of an easier ride. So, but we'll get into that.
1: Steven, I had never seen the movie before. Um, and like me, I'd only seen Persona. Um, so I was kind of kind of having the same kind of trepidation and seeing this movie as well. Um, And then I was thinking maybe, so I did read a synopsis of this before. So then I was, I was curious to see if it was uh, like some of the other movies we've seen, like mirror, like if it was going to be like that. So um, I was kind of curious about it.
0: Okay. I had also seen it about, I think 20 years ago or more, I think in college, I feel like so many of the movies we've watched recently, I either watched when I was really watching a lot of movies in high school or I watched during college and then haven't seen since. Um, So I didn't really remember much of it. I remembered that it was a guy in a car, and he had um, visions or dreams or something. For some reason, I was remembering it as being more surreal than it is, having rewatched it, but I don't want to give too much away about my thoughts on it this time around. Um, But I did remember thinking it was really good, even though I didn't remember... Basically, anything about the actual moment to moment plot of it. Um, So, I was looking forward to seeing it again. Um, Yeah, so that's where I was. And that's where we all stood on the film before watching it for this episode. We'll get more into the film in just a moment, but first, let's take a break. We're back. So, as we've done in recent episodes, I thought I'd start us off by reading from Sight and Sound's entry for the film on their website. As always, the parts that may be more subjective aren't from me personally, but perhaps we can delve into those things as we get into our group discussion. Together with The Seventh Seal, Wild Strawberries confirmed the reputation of Ingmar Bergman as one of world cinema's finest new talents. Opening with a starkly symbolic dream sequence, the film follows Professor. Isaac Borg as he journeys by car in the company of his daughter-in-law, Marianne, played by Ingrid Thulin, to collect an award from his former university. The trip occasions a series of reminiscences and reveries as the aging Borg revisits the scenes of his youth and reflects on an unhappy marriage. Bergman pays tribute to his forebears by casting great silent filmmaker Victor Sjöström, as Borg, but strikes out for a new form of intellectual cinema characterized by probing into the nature of existence. Wild Strawberries also became a model for the road movie. Again, that was all from Sight & Sound's website. Wild Strawberries was Ingmar Bergman's 18th feature film in 11 years. It was written while he was in a hospital for stress and gastric issues, then quickly produced as his personal life was in disarray. Critics in Sweden pretty much loved the film, while its reception in the United States was more mixed. But its influence has been strong over the years, and directors such as Stanley Kubrick and Andrei Tarkovsky have listed it among their favorite films. The film was honored at various international film festivals and award ceremonies, including the Oscars, where, after opening in the U.S. in 1959, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, though Bergman refused the nomination in a letter where he called the Oscars a quote-unquote humiliating institution, for the art of motion pictures. The Doris Day-Rock Hudson romantic comedy Pillow Talk is what eventually won Best Original Screenplay that year, while the big winner of the year overall was Ben-Hur. But to give a sense of what was popular in the United States when Wild Strawberries was released in Sweden a couple of years earlier, The Bridge on the River Kwai was the big Oscar winner for films released in 1957, and it was also the top-grossing film of the year in North America. As for our purposes, Wild Strawberries appeared in the top 10 of Sight and Sound's Greatest Films polling once when it was ranked number 10 in 1972. In the 2022 polling, it was tied at number 108 by critics and tied at number 72 by directors. And among the filmmakers who had it on their top 10 lists that year was Michael Moore. So, Alicia, again, since this was your pick, can you start us off with your thoughts on the film and whether it met your expectations on this viewing especially since you had seen it before
2: i don't know if it met my expectations i think um i didn't remember also like everyone else said i didn't remember that much of the plot of it i knew it was about like memory and nostalgia and that kind of thing but i didn't remember like all the details but um I don't know. I've kind of felt like I enjoyed it, but this time I kind of felt like it was a little bit of like a combination of like um, a Christmas carol, (laughs) like reading Proust or something like To the Lighthouse or by Virginia Woolf, something like that, like a very stream of consciousness type of thing. I guess that's because it's a road movie because if you ask somebody like what happens in this movie, it's like, Oh, they drove from Stockholm to London. He got his reward. And some other stuff happens in between where he's like having memories and things, but it's hard to like say that that happens, you know, in the course of the action of the movie. But, um, so I don't know if it met my expectations. I did. I definitely did not have as strong of like an emotional reaction this time. Um, I thought it was a little, Um, it was emotional, but I, I wasn't as moved by it, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, uh, it didn't catch, capture me this time the way that it did the first time. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about it really. Like it, you know, I also thought like the girl that played, um, the, the woman that was in persona and is also in this one, um, BB Anderson, I think is her name. Um, I liked her when she was playing the original Sarah character but when she was playing the young like 1950s like character i was like oh this is like bordering on manic pixie dream girl or something mm-hmm. it was very like aren't i so like snappy and cute and youthful and young okay. and um yeah i don't know i thought probably like the most interesting section for me was the car accident with the the <laughs> Actress and her husband and their dynamic and how like toxic and awful that was, and I loved that Marianne, the daughter-in-law, was like, for the sake of the young people in the car, <laughs> get out of this car. <laughs> I like. I was like, that's actually really a ni- very nice thing to do, to not expose these young people to this kind of middle-aged sturm und drang or something. <laughs> So that's my thoughts.
0: All right. And Stephen, how about you?
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I guess my uh, expectations were not really like high, but I really, really enjoyed this movie. And maybe it just hit me at a time in my life where yeah, I just had a birthday. So I, I was really just thinking about, you know, how much time has passed and people's perceptions of what you think you are and what they think you are. And, you know, everything's always kind of filtered through, like, you know, you might idealize the past a lot, but it didn't really happen that way. <laughs> but you think it happened that way. Or you, you put more bearing on yourself as maybe regrets that you had. And that just comes to the forefront, even though things that happen are a little bit more like even, but you think of like the worst things that happen or the worst people feel of you and you put those to the forefront. So I was just really interested in kind of that, that relationship that he had with himself. Um, But the storytelling in and of itself, I really did like it. I I kind of liked it as a road trip kind of thing. And it it was a linear story. And I was thinking about like when we when we watched that other movie that I just had mentioned, I can't even remember the name of it now, um, where it was kind of like surreal and like dreams kept coming through or it was kind of perception wise, it was kind of you talking about mirror? Yeah, mirror. Okay. Um, but this was a little bit more linear for me, and I kind of liked how they would weave the story in with the actual dream sequences or his what his thoughts were. And when the movie opened, I was a little bit worried about that because it was completely surreal, the dream he had. So I thought the whole movie was going to be like that. But it, thankfully it wasn't. It was a little bit more of a regular story. And they introduced people at the beginning, kind of gave, it was kind of like a pilot episode. It was like, oh, this is my daughter-in-law and she's staying with us and she's going to come with me. And I'm getting an award in 14 hours. Why didn't I just drive? And um, so I kind of liked it, you know, and they pick up a stranger along the way and, you know, they'd have like fun conversations about it. So I kind of liked it. And, and I was there for, I guess, the Sarah character you know, just kind of being carefree and fun because it really, it really affected him a lot. Like I could just tell that he really liked her and he liked her, her spiritedness. And so I feel like that, that kind of worked for me, but overall, I just really liked the performances and I liked the way it was kind of, you know, weaving in and out between, you know, what was real and what was real, what wasn't real and what was real on the road trip. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I really was there for it for some reason.
0: I think your analogy of it to uh, being a pilot made you live up to your old screen name, wherever it was, of Little Stevie Loves Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mia, how about you?
4: It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I watched it once, you know, a week ago or whatever. And then I kind of like sped watched it earlier today as a refresher. And like, I enjoyed it. I felt like it gave me some things to think about like you know the themes of nostalgia and getting older and yeah like your life not maybe measuring up to how you thought it would or what are you leaving behind in the world like you know all those things that I think can keep you up at night um it didn't like super emotionally move me. But even when I was thinking about this earlier, I was thinking, oh, I bet I could watch this at a different point in life. Like if I just had like a loss in my family or a birthday and maybe feel differently. I just think like right now it wasn't the time for me to feel like super moved by this. Overall, though, Alicia, I agree with like a lot of what you're saying. Like I was thinking about a Christmas carol a lot. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like grown up Christmas carol. The the second Sarah just kind of annoyed me a lot, which I, I like it didn't like she annoyed me. But I was also like, you're like a 20 something, you know, girl hitchhiking yeah. around with like these two guys who I guess are like both in love with you. Like I would be annoying, too. you know. <laughs> like, I didn't like hold her annoyingness against her. I was just more like maybe a little less of her. Um, but like, you know, I thought it was interesting and definitely as a Bergman movie, I would maybe tell someone like watch this one first before watching Persona. It was and then like, okay, if you like this, like maybe go on like, I kind of wish maybe we'd we'd done it in this order just for like a bit more digestible process. Um, I really liked Marianne though. Like I thought I'm blanking on the actress's name right now, but I thought she was great. I loved her style, like the scene with her and her shitty husband when she tells him she's pregnant and she has that like fabulous Swedish raincoat. I was very into that. Um, And I was just like, Marianne, like, please get out of this family. Like your husband is like clearly suffering from some kind of like major depressive issues and like childhood traumas his dad is sorry is you know nice enough to you but like i don't know man just i get out of this family go like find wherever your family is and like raise your child in like a nice little swedish vi- village somewhere <laughs> or something but like please run like the the scene with the mom the old mom oh i have all these grandchildren No one ever comes to visit me. I have these creepy old dolls and things in a box. Like, Uh I don't know. That was, I did not like that at all. And it just, you know, we all have those older relatives, I'm sure, or have friends with those older relatives where it is like, no one visits me. No one calls, wah, you know, and you're just like, duh, look at like how you act. Like, oh my God. So um, I found that very realistic, but also like, oh my God, look at this family here. They're just so depressing like from top to bottom um so yeah run marianne run it's more my con- that was my strong emotional reaction to the movie
0: <laughs> michelle how about you
4: i'm kind of with you alicia i guess
3: i was expecting to be pretty devastated <laughs> be, uh, because you know re- reading about it again and then also talking up to like when i first saw it i was much younger and I thought I probably it just didn't hit you know a nerve or hit me in the gut the way it should and um but I'm I also agree with you Stephen um, um that I I, I de- definitely enjoyed the storytelling the acting I thought that um, profess the professor was so expressive with just doing little, you know, very little. I I really liked him. And I wonder if part of it was for me anyway, that to me it didn't feel like he went through much of an emotional arc. I mean everything was so subtle, you know, and there were definitely some subtle moments that I found quietly moving, like, you know, when he is at the family summer house and he sees, you know, I don't I don't know if it would been would have been a memory that he necessarily had seen or that's what I found kind of interesting. You know, when he um, happened upon his brother and Sarah, you know, and the little dalliance they had, I wondered, he supposedly was out with his papa, you know, sailing. And so I thought that was really interesting that Mm -hmm. he was seeing little glimpses into moments that happened in his life that kind of defined what his life was or wasn't. But he wasn't part he wasn't part of that memory, you know, um, in the first person, actively, you know. So I found I, I was moved by that. But I was, yeah, I was kind of expecting it to build and um and to really just be in tears or something at the end. And 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 I, I wasn't, but I I did find the ending you know, mostly satisfying. But um, yeah, I I just kind of felt like he was a likable gentlemen throughout the you know the whole film and not that I would have wanted him to be like this you know more curmudgeonly or like ah, get off my lawn you know because that does kind of sound sitcom and and uh and and um simple but I just found him yeah he was kind of he felt to me it seemed like he was really open to new um people and new experiences from the beginning so it just wasn't, you know, everything was just very subtle, you know. But I yeah, I loved all the performances and um I loved the photography and um the compositions were beautiful. Oh, um, and also one more thing. Um, the first dream he has, remember with the handless mm-hmm. watches and and he sees that blob faced, you know, person who mm-hmm. and that was very surreal and dark. And I, I, I kind of thought that there would be more of that, you know, and I thought, I felt like it was kind of Lynchian as well. And then I liked the, um, you know, when they were on the road and it would show shots of the, the road and, and shots of like maybe the trees overhead, you know, going by and such, you know, stark imagery. And I, I enjoyed um, that element as well. And again, I kind of felt like I was a little Lynchian as um, too. But yeah, overall, I liked it, but I was surprised that I, at how I, how, yeah, my ultimate emotional response was.
0: Yeah, I'm with y'all who'd seen it before. Um, Similarly, I don't think it hit the same this time. Um, I still thought it was well-made. I still did enjoy it overall, but I think my vague memory of it was bigger than the experience of watching it this time. Um, And I do think some of that is, that, like, I remembered it as being much more surreal than it is. Like, there is that surreal opening dream sequence. And I guess you could say that, like, some of the stuff that you were just describing, for instance, Michelle, you could say is surreal in a way of, like, he's sort of manufacturing these, not quite memories, but the, his interpretation of how things happened between other people when he wasn't around that affected him. Um so I don't know if that's quite surreal but it it's not r- quite real either necessarily it's it's manufactured in some way but I like I said I did did think it was very well made I I agree that the acting is all really good um I think the lead he's very good and like I think if he's not the movie doesn't work at all and does work and I think I liked um BB Anderson? Was that her name? I liked BB Anderson more than other people did. Um, I mean, I know it it seems like everybody liked her in the flashbacks. People have mentioned it and, but not as the, um, hitchhiker girl. I liked her as a hitchhiker Hitchhiker girl. Girl. You did. Oh, you did. Okay. I missed that. I I liked her as the hitchhiker girl too. I like, I found it really interesting that casting, which I, I would like to get it more into maybe, uh, in a minute, but, um, yeah, I, I I thought she was really good in both roles, and like I said, overall it's a good movie. Uh, I still appreciate the filmmaking of it. It just didn't hit the same. I wondered if that was also like, I I, I wondered if it was like that when I watched it when I was twenty something, uh, still in college. If I was just like, wow, this seems sophisticated and it's cool, and I'm I appreciate that I can watch this and appreciate it and understand it and like this like. L- it seemed like deep to me as a twenty year twenty year old in a way that like I wasn't finding this time. And I wonder if it is like at this point, i I think that there's something to what Steven said, and Michelle, you kind of echoed this. I think that maybe it's just like you have to be in the right moment. And like maybe this is a movie that if depending on when you watch it, it's going to really connect with you and you're going to find a deep connection to it. In a way that at other times you're just not going to find that that deep connection, but you can still appreciate it. So I do think if I had like a birthday or was like dying and going on a road trip at the same time, <laughs> or, or not dying, but approaching death, <laughs> maybe this movie would hit harder. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, so.
2: I have I, a little um, <laughs> interesting yeah, <Alicia>. tidbit. <laughs> yeah. So I guess B.B. Anderson's real first name is Barrett which is also the name of the uh, the actress' wife in that car accident that crashes the car. Mm. And around the time they were making the movie, um, Bergman and B.B. Anderson's like affair was ending. Right. <laughs> so I was like, wow, was that just like a big, fuck you to name that <laughs> actress with her real name and then say all that horrible shit to her? Yeah. like
0: I mean... Like, can we say, based on this movie and Persona and any other movies that any of us have seen by by Ingmar Bergman, that dude is a messy bitch? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny.
4: I had a lot of fun earlier today reading his Wikipedia and he was like married like what, like five times. And even like his last wife was like the one that really stuck. I think they were married for like 25 years until she died or something. But like they had one child together, but the child was born 12 years before they got married. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And, you know, even throughout all of his marriages, he had like, you know, his well-known affairs with like B.D. Anderson and this and this, like, you know, like really famous people. But then he had like literally just like countless other affairs and stuff. I'm like, dude, like... Wow. how do you have the time? And just <laughs> Ooh, yeah. so yeah, he was definitely messy. It's like his poor wives. Yeah. I mean, they probably knew at a certain point you know what you're signing up for and all that, but still. Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, he had a reputation, I'm imagining. Alicia, you brought it up that uh that
0: that one character is has the same name as um BB. Bebe. BB's Bebe, actual name, and it seems to kind of mirror a real life relationship that he's writing into this movie. And so it's, I find it interesting that he's kind of manifesting these relationships in his life into this movie in this other form. And you kind of see the lead character in a way doing that as well somehow, like, because obviously that hitchhiker, I mean, if it didn't, if you didn't get it from the the casting being like the same woman playing two Sarah's, and, and and in both realities, uh, she is, uh, you know, pined after by two men uh, that she's having trouble choosing between. Like, I mean, this this old man is basically manifesting it in a way that like calls maybe to me into question the reality of what we think is the reality of the movie. Like, wh- I think it's easy to look at the movie and obviously think that the the road trip portion of it, you know, the trip is reality but isn't it a little too convenient that he has this woman show up who is like so clearly modeled on this person from his youth that he lost to his brother or like i mean maybe that's not real either i don't maybe it's all just like in his head i don't know
1: i i always have a feeling that when you're faced with something that you're already thinking about it jumps out at you So whenever you you get involved in situations, you might think about it like, oh, wait, this is exactly what happened to me when I was 12, (laughs) you know, even though it it doesn't necessarily, you know, have any resonance, but it does to you. Right. So I feel like there's some other things probably that he didn't pick up on that they were doing that were completely different.
4: I think you could interpret it too. Like I'm sure oh, yeah. people have written sure. a, a perfectly plausible analysis of this where it's like the road trip never happened. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, it was all a dream, right? right? And then other people are like, no, it literally happened in XYZ. Yeah.
1: That it's all I, act as fantasy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all a movie. It's all made up.
4: <laughs> so like <laughs> <you know. laughs> right. yo, guys, all of this is made
0: up. <laughs> yeah, we're living in a simulation, obviously. And you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I like the idea though of Sarah being a manic pixie dream girl. I I hadn't thought of it quite like that, but she essentially is in a way. Like she's just this idealized form of woman that he's like I mean, come on, this this old man is like interested in her, like not maybe in a romantic way, but he's connecting her to this Sarah from his youth, his sister in law, I guess.
3: And then I found that the housekeeper's role, right? That she was mm-hmm. kind of the the one that grounded him and, and mm-hmm. it's, it was interesting she she was kind of like the bookend the bookends you know to his journey and um, and I, I, I kind of I liked the little exchange they had at the end where she's like we know how to behave ourselves you know don't, mm-hmm. don't get so intimate where we call each other by the first names right. our first names but then yeah, she I was mean, like I'm leaving my door
2: uh-huh. open mm-hmm. in case you need anything, you need anything. In case you need anything just saying <laughs> I'm
1: yeah I'm, I'm sure we're projecting I thought we were projecting yeah. our 2023 like lifestyles on them oh, and it was no. just like
0: I mean she was making like eyes a little bit I think I
4: know So a in that bit moment there, yeah I saw that
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, but that's an interesting point Michelle I hadn't really thought of it like that that she's grounding him so it's like did he want to go on this road trip to get away from her and just kind of like unground himself and think through his life. Cause he's like, why am I getting this award? Am I worthy of accolades? I've lived this life. Is it ba- a bad life? Was it a good life? Like my son sucks, <laughs> you know, like my relationship with my wife sucked. My uh, you know, all his relationships basically suck. And uh, but he was good at whatever he was doing as a doctor or scientist or whatever. I I don't I, see. I didn't think I that think was, was clear in the movie. Yeah. I, I read the Wikipedia and they go into detail a little bit of like what he was. I was like, where did this come from? I don't know what, where they got that. From.
1: I thought he was some sort of, yeah, I thought he was some sort of medical doctor because of the couple that he mm-hmm. met at the, uh, the gas station. They were like, they're loving on him. You know, they were just like, yeah, they were just like, he's so great. Um, I should never have left this town because everybody just appreciated him so much. I'm going to name my child after him if, you know. So I felt like he definitely like what he talked about being an outwardly, like really great guy was true because it seemed like he was getting accolades, obviously, and then personal ones from those people.
0: Sure. Well, which do you guys consider Mm -hmm. him navel gazy at all? Because like even what you just said, how you framed it, Stephen, I I think is accurate that he was sort of like, maybe I shouldn't have left because everyone liked me here. So it's not even about mm-hmm. like I was doing good here. It's like they knew how to appreciate this guy right here. You know, um, did so, he say that?
2: I can't remember what he act- I remember him saying. Maybe I should have never left here. But I don't remember if he like supplied a reason or not. I, right I guess I, th- I
0: thought it was I, th- I thought what Steven said was accurate, though, to like, why else would he be saying that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but I maybe, could, maybe I'm wrong.
3: You know, my take kind of is that it's not so much that he's navel gazing. You know, um, all of the kind of greeting card, you know, sayings and and uh, cliches about at the end of your life, you know, you're, it's not really the accomplishments or the accolades, but it's your relationships. And I think that's kind of it. And I think like maybe in seeing, uh, you know, Glimpses at the relationships he's had throughout his life. I, I kind of felt like he, he he's looking back on them and yeah, and thinking like they these were not successful. I I did, I did not feel loved or appreciated. And you know when they do bring up loneliness and the the thought of loneliness and didn't that come out in the the dream where he he's being humiliated and you see the hitchhikers and you see the couple, the toxic couple. And, and she laughs in his face at like, you know, like you're a fraud basically. And, and so I kind of feel like it's a journey more about like, who were the, who were, the, who was my family? Who were the people I loved? Who were the people who didn't love me, you know? And, um, and so, yeah. So that moment with the gas station attendant, um, you know, I, th- I feel like that was like a little seed that was dropped, you know, like that he, you know, in another like kind of moment where he felt that yearning for uh, like, maybe he, what could have been like, he could have had a life where he did have meaningful relationships, you know? Cause yeah, if your family all sucks, as was mentioned before, it's like at the end, you're like, and even the, his mother, you know, he's, he's doing due diligence. he, you know, you see, you you kind of get the feeling that he likes her or he cares for her. Maybe he doesn't like her, but he doesn't have a problem with going to visit her. He feels like he needs to, but yeah, like she just was kind of cold. She even refers to herself as cold, I think. And then he just leaves, you know? And so I guess, yeah, it, it does make you think at the end of your, our lives, like, you know, you look back on the relationships you've had and were they meaningful, you know?
4: But I think for him, I think it's all about like this like public private thing, because I think like I agree, like it sounds like his wife was terrible and we don't really see like why she was apparently like habitually cheating on him. We don't really know why his mom was the way she was, but like, you know we got to think that he played some role in all of this, or at least like didn't take responsibility for these things. And like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Marianne's like, remember what you said to me last week when I came to you and like asked for a favor? And he's like, oh, I said I'd be delighted. And she's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you said, quote. All these- yeah, quote, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I was like this woman's memory. She's, he's, she's like, no, you said all of this stuff here. And like, You know, he's really nice to the hitchhikers. And like, yeah, I was kind of struck that like, oh, there's this duality. Like he does seem really open to new experiences for like this old dude um, and all of this. But like he's really like, you know, it's kind of playful, but like he's kind of like mean to his housekeeper person. And he's like insisting that his son pays him back this loan that like clearly he doesn't actually need the money for. And like, what's he going to do with the money anyways? Um, He's unsupportive of his daughter-in-law. But he's willing to be – but I bet he was, like, the nicest doctor in this, like, rural area to people, you know, because he wanted people to think of him a certain way. So I think it's, like, this very, like – he's all about the public stuff. And now at the end of his life, he's, like – oh, my son, like, you know, the look on his face when his daughter-in-law is like, your son hates you. Like, he's so hurt by that. And, you know, at the end, then he's kind of trying to talk to his son and be like, wait about the loan. And he's like, yeah, dad, I'm going to pay you. And then they get cut off. And like, you know, you're like, no, like, because I think like, despite his, you know, you see the good that is in him, despite how shitty he can be. And so you're like, you know, you're kind of rooting for him throughout the movie, or at least I was because um, you do see like it was obviously it would be very hurtful to have the woman you love like choose your brother your shitty brother over you and then to have your wife like you know stepping out on you all the time and you know you're seeing it all from his perspective so of course you're like feeling all that heard. Um, but I think it's also kind of like a Christmas carol a lesson <laughs> that you know you have to treat the people who are closest to you you know the way you would treat your patients out in public and stuff, and all the accolades in the world don't matter if you don't have your family around you holding your hand as you die.
0: I agree with what Mia said about the the whole public-private split. Like, he, I think he's better in public, you know? The people in the town like him because he's the doctor who, who does very well for them. And the kids that they pick up like him because they don't know the private him. You know, like they they think he's this kindly old man, and that's the public face he presents. And I think maybe what you're pointing to, Mia, about um, the moment where he says to his daughter-in-law, like, "Oh, I treated you this way," and she's like, "Actually, no, you didn't, asshole." Um, It's like him confusing public for private. He's he's remembering like how he would have treated someone in public, yeah, and like he's replaced that in his memory because he just. Doesn't want to face who he is or something, I, I, I guess.
1: I feel like he is kind of faced who he is just from the, um, the sequences of dreams or like what he's thinking about, you know, because he wasn't there for a lot of the scenes at the beginning where Sarah's talking with the, the, the man that she eventually marries, you know, saying like he's a cold person, like he, he doesn't have any excitement in his life. And it's really him who's saying nice things because he, he wasn't there for it. And there are several instances where, you know, in the dream sequences or, you know, in his memories that aren't really, you know, he's seeing, he does kind of address the fact that he is kind of like a person that is kind of reserved and, and it's a regret for him. So the parts that, you know, that have come out, you know, he's being polite instead of being the person that he feels like he should be because that's what he has control over. Like he has control over mm-hmm. his, per- or his public persona, but he doesn't have any control over his feelings necessarily. So and he's, a reg- he's regretful about those.
4: To a certain extent, we all act a different way in public and private, of course. And like we all have our stories that we tell ourselves about this is the kind of person I am. And like, this is how I would respond if someone like came to me and asked for help. And like, of course, we don't always live up to like the best version of ourselves. And of course, over time, maybe not as quickly as the like two week turnaround as he did with his daughter-in-law. But like, you know, of course, over time, it's easy to build up a story of like, oh, I I didn't handle that situation wrong. I did X, Y, Z. Or, you know, even if you know you handled it wrong, you can justify it to yourself because of all of this. So I think – you know when he's going back into these memories that he wasn't here for i wonder how much of that is his mind and you know he's had 50 years or whatever it's been since sarah left him to build these stories in his head and tell himself well this is why and then maybe almost further calcify those behaviors right he's like well she left me because i'm cold i'm a cold person that's who i am i can't help it and probably in some ways those things helped him be a really good doctor right like you have to be logical and calculating and unemotional and all that stuff. So, you know, maybe on the one hand he's like, well, I'm gonna lean into that. It's gonna help me in my career, even if he wasn't like consciously thinking that. Um, but you know, again, at the cost of
2: what for the rest of his life. I think doctors in general are very good at compartmentalizing everything. So it's not that they're unemotional. It's just that they don't let that in they they have to really move on from it quickly and then deal with it, you know, like at a later date when they can deal with yeah. it. Um, so maybe that's that is actually a really good choice of career for this character because he is very, very much compartmentalized, I think. Especially you can see when he deals with his mother. And uh he's just kind of like, Yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> Right, You know, like he just doesn't let it get to him, but you can tell it's, you can tell like what you were saying is very true. This He thinks of himself as a reflection of her in that very similar cutoff sort of manner.
0: Well, I, f- I feel like we're inching towards Alicia's question for the group. So Alicia, I think maybe you should ask that and we should get to that.
2: Okay. So the question was, did you believe in the change in Isaac at the end? Or did the movie make its case that he chooses to embrace people more closely
1: moving forward? I think, yeah, I, I, I did believe in it. Just, um, just from the dreams or the, the memories that he had and the relationships that he was having with Marianne, like I think just the road trip in general with the students, I, I felt like there was a subtle change throughout. So it felt like it was building towards him being a, a changed person. Um, just based on his reactions to what was going on. And then also when meeting with his mother, he kind of realized this is what kind of person that he'll become if he doesn't end up kind of changing what he's doing. So I felt like that was kind of a turning point for him. Um, and then overall, I felt like, you know, getting the honor. I think he was much more honored by the the kids that came and played guitar and, and saw him off. So I, I did feel like it was sort of earned in that respect that he was kind of being a changed person. And the fact that he did reach out to his son at the end and asked him to sit, I I really was kind of moved by that situation. So I do feel like it, it, it did happen. Michelle. I
3: believe the same, you know, I could be wrong, but I thought that he was going to tell his son, forget about the debt, you know, and then they got interrupted. Um, And, uh, you know, to go back to the uh, exchange with the housekeeper and, Um, you know, he he suggested let's just call each other by you know our first names. We've known each other for forty years, and and so, like you said, Stephen, it was very subtle. Um, but um, but yeah, I think that he did
0: change.
4: Yeah, I think any changes will be temporary.
0: Personally, maybe temporary is fine <laughs> if yeah, he's true. that old.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's good. Go <laughs> right? It's all temporary. Oh it's all temporary the there. True is all temporary. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Dark. I mean, well, like, how much just, you know, he has a whole lifetime. Like, what's he gonna you How much do we really think, like, a 78 year old man or however old he's supposed to be? 78? I don't know why the numbers in my head. I
0: think that's how old the actor was.
4: Ah, okay. I think
3: he said he was 78 and the housekeeper said she was 74.
2: Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. So how, so. Uh, yeah. So how old or how much change, like really change is going to happen? I think like, yes, I definitely think he was going to pay back the loan. He's being a little more chill with his housekeeper. Maybe something will develop between them. That would bring me such great joy. Um you know, maybe some stuff will happen. I would love to see like a continuation of this where Marianne leaves the son and has the baby and Isaac like supports them and leaves all his money to his grandson, grandchild. I don't know why I assumed it was a son. That would be like really wonderful. And I would love that. But I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: I I don't know. I feel like even if you're 78, even if you have a year left to live, that's still worth it. Don't I, I mean? I oh, kinda,
4: absolutely. I, I, oh, I don't no. Know. He should change. Mm-mm. I just don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith. Okay. I forgot to say
3: one thing too. Um, was it when he was? I forgot who he was telling. Maybe it was Marianne about that that dream where he's humiliated, and he does say something like, "I think it's a voice telling me what I." can't what I I'm not aware of in my waking life or something like that you know and yeah I I feel like you know yeah at 78 you know the whole you can't teach an old dog new tricks so just even a little bit of self-reflection and looking back and trying to learn you know he's not going to like do a 180 but I think those subtle changes could could bring him more peace as he sails off into the sunset you know.
0: So. yeah, I guess I'm this might be a cop out, but I I'm feel like there's not enough information to know to to, to make the determination of whether he's, I, I think at the end of the movie, it seems like he's realized that it would be good to change. But it's hard to say whether he will, because he's in this moment of sort of he's just gone through all this. He's gone through all this reflection. And I think it's in those moments where we could we mentally commit to something that doesn't mean you do it like often we don't let's think about that (laughs) like i think we could all think of something in our like many things in our lives where we've we've reflected and been like i really need to change this part of what i'm behaving or "I, i would like to chart a new path easier said than done easier thought than done you know so i i don't know i i think but i do think he in that moment wants to so if if that is the actual success, I guess he's successful um but I think it's hard to say past that personally Alicia, since it's your question, what do you think especially after all we've said
2: um yeah, my first instinct was like similar to Mia like I feel like he had um he had a moment <laughs> he was like oh, I need to be better about this but yeah, I feel like at that age it would be even at like you were saying even at our ages it's really hard to make the changes that you know you need to make on that level like that's a big level change to make so i was also thinking like i don't know how long this is going to last <laughs> it is nice that he had this experience and hopefully i like i'm hopeful that it will you know manifest in his life and that he'll be able to carry it through but i i I'm just like a little skeptical. Maybe that's just I'm a very cynical person or something. I don't know.
4: <laughs> and one other thing I was going to say is I, sometimes I think what's so hard about making change is like it's yourself, but it's also the people around you, right? Because like it's scary to make change, right? And other you need other people to support you in it or at least like accept that you're making these changes. And like he tries to talk to his son about the loan and his son's like, yeah, 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 dad, I know. And like, they don't get to it. And then he asked the housekeeper like about calling them by more casual names. And she's like, no, we're not going to do that. So like, honestly, it might even be like he's trying to make changes. And if the people in their in his life also have these narratives of who he is and how he acts and they're, you know, it's not like people in his life are super young and flexible. Yeah. And, you know, I don't. Get the vibes from them that they'll be like, Oh, yeah, oh, dad, you want to make these like really dramatic changes. Like, his son doesn't seem like a really flexible person. So, it also might just be like, he's like, Well, like, everyone around me is just making this really challenging. So, like, meh, I, no, I guess not.
0: I thought it was interesting that you said that you're hopeful for him to, to change. Whether he will or not is another question. And I I do think that that points to a success of the movie that I think it could be very easy for this story to come off as very navel gazing because it does seem like a dramatization in in a fashion of the filmmaker's life and his his messiness of his life um, with his relationships and all that. Um, So there's that level of navel gazing in the filmmaking maybe, but also of the character of it being very much like this interior look at like his failings as a person and like, what could he have done better? Like all of this could have come off super navel gazing and like obnoxious, you know, but in the end, like you kind of are rooting for him, I think, whether you think he's getting there or not. And I do think that that is a success in the filmmaking, at least of like getting you on this character side, who I think it. There's nothing that makes him like, you know, super unlikable or anything, but it it would be very easy to just be like, I don't give a shit about this guy or like, or, you know, be, be neutral to just like not care at all and, and, um, uh, not like him, you know? So I just wanted to say that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I agree with you. And, um, I think in terms of like the other people around him, they also are probably just like, oh, he's just like having this moment. Like he had a big day or whatever. <laughs> You know, like right. <laughs> not to be condescending, but he he did have like a big long day and it was an honor for him and everything. So maybe they thought, oh, he's just reflecting and he's gonna get over this. But if he really wants to like, if he really wants to change, he has to be the change, you know, <laughs> like he has to really show them like on a daily basis and like going forward that like yes, I do want to be this way. And then in terms of like his um the navel gazy thing. I do think like to bring it all the way back around to what Michelle said at the beginning, like I think it's it was a very smart of them to not, a very smart of Bergman to not have the character be in his own flashbacks. <laughs> because if you have some other actor playing this, you're gonna be like you're gonna be making all these judgments about him as a young person and how he was behaving. And from this remove, you're not seeing that. You're just seeing the older version of himself reacting to these things that he thinks happened or these these events that right. seem to have shaped him. And it kind of sets him up to, as a victim
0: in a way. Hmm. Like he's a victim of these other people's uh, behaviors that he can't control, you know?
2: Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't have necessarily used the word victim, but I mean, it, it, you can just, I, I think it's valid, but I wasn't thinking necessarily in that term, but just in terms of like, I'm not making judgments about who he was and I can only judge him from who he is now,
1: so... You know, the movie starts sort of with him, you know, it doesn't start with the, the the memory flashbacks, but I think that that was sort of like kind of the impetus of him wanting to change because, I mean, we don't know what happened previous to that. And this was the first time he had, you know, had a dream that really affected him this way that made him want to, you know, this series of events happened because he had the first dream or the first uh, memory. So I, I feel like he was in a position where he wanted to kind of do this. And everything that happened after that sort of led into that, but he was in the right mindset to do it. Yeah. I think that's a good
0: point because uh, I, th- to, I, I don't remember who was saying it earlier, like, but basically. It, it, yeah. This is a big moment for him or he had a big day, but you know, like, so people might be chalking it up to that in his life uh, in the present day of the film, but we also don't know if for them this is just the latest instance of him like doing this thing of like being kind of like oh i want to change i want to change but we are keyed into the fact that he had this dream that steven's talking about so that's what precipitated this version of this this instance of this and what makes us as viewers think like maybe this is like a real thing for him it's not like Just a a, an empty promise, sort of an empty, um, what's the word? Gesture of like I want to change and I want to tell people that I want to change. We're we're like we're keyed into his inner monologue in a way that the people in his life aren't.
3: And speaking of inner monologue, I remember the film opens with his narration, right? And it and it goes away as we get on the road. And I, you know, sometimes you know narration can feel stilted. Um, For me, I liked it. It almost was like um, a confessional or something. You know, I felt like it, I liked hearing his inner voice and getting to know who he was in his own, you know, words, in his own mind. And then I'm glad that it went away too. And then does it come back at the end?
4: I think maybe a little bit, right? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he talks about how uh, when he's had, like, a hard day or, like, a sad day, he thinks about memories of his childhood. Right. And, so he's, and like, so he's, like, snuggled that. up in the pillow. Yeah. yeah. I thought I, th- I found that moving.
3: And then as far as, like, his big day, I like that they didn't really make a big deal about the ceremony. I think they might have even shown just two shots, you know. So if, to me, I don't think that that was, like, you know, it was kind of more just the device, you know, right, to get them on the road and to go somewhere and have something to
0: do. I don't agree with that. Because (laughs) there there they're like I was kind of shocked by how big this ceremony was. They were firing cannons and stuff. Oh, that's yeah. true. But, <laughs> yeah, we were like, we were both like, "What is going on? What is this ceremony? Like, is this normal?" Well, we we're
4: like, "Is it? Ju- it can't just be for him. There's got to be like a cl- a cohort, yeah, right? Yeah. Of like true. other scientists, doctor people. Like, what?" And then they just like a hat on him. I don't yeah. know. But
0: <laughs> that said, I, I think the gist of what you're saying is yes. still stands. It is, it is co- sort of like he's on his way to the ceremony, then. Bing, bing, boom, we're out of the ceremony. But yeah. there's like all these shots of like pomp and circumstance, yeah, really quick, right? Yeah, that show that it is somehow a big deal. But like, I do think that film dramatizes that to him, maybe not so much as yeah. you're saying, yeah, yeah, it's,
4: it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. I just wanted to mention yes. that because I
0: thought the cannons were hilarious. I was like, I was like <laughs> right what about the
4: we were both just like, what <laughs> cannons,
0: yeah, like, do they
4: even have those in Sweden? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So those are our thoughts on Wild Strawberries. We'll share our final thoughts on the movie and answer our bonus question after the break. And we are back. So what was your favorite scene or moment or element of the movie? And Michelle, we'll start with you.
3: I really liked the... The two dreams; those felt darker and more surreal, and a little bit more experimental. I mean, not really experimental, but just the tonally and visually, they were, you know, set apart from the rest of the of the narrative. And and um, and I I just felt like they gave you like a, a a different, you know, they they gave you a little more insight into maybe what his what was going on in the psyche. And, um, the second dream sequence, I liked how they used the, um, characters that we had met, um, earlier on the road and, and it just, I just like kind of the
1: dream dreamlike quality. All right, Steven. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Marianne when she was at the mother's house and the reaction shots that we got from her when, um, when uh, Isaac was interacting with his mother, it, because you could kind of tell that she was drinking everything in that was happening. In a, and she sort of was like, this is what I'm in for having this child. And interestingly enough, when I did watch the movie again, after the reveal that she was having a baby, you look at the movie in a completely different way because it's sort of like, this is what my life will be like if I end up having this baby with this man. Um, and for her, it was just sort of like, what am I going to do with this information? But I need to kind of continue with this to know, you know, I have to see this through. But it was just kind of an interesting moment. And and I appreciated that a lot more on the second viewing.
3: She's holding the doll too, mm-hmm. right? When she has that severe look on her face. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Me,
4: My favorite scene was when in the first flashback when they're in the Swedish summer house and they're all having dinner together and everyone's just like,
0: wah, 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 wah,
4: all the
2: time. I just loved that. Alicia? Yeah, I also just, I liked the whole first um, memory of the house and with the family and everything and the scene between the brother and Sarah. And I liked, I read something where, he, Bergman was quoted as saying he, he was on a trip to do something and he also stopped in his hometown and he stopped at a house where I don't know if it was his house or his grandmother's house or something like that. And he had the thought of like, oh, what if you could just open the door and walk back into like the past and experience the past and then walk in another door and see some other thing and then come back out into reality. And I was like, that's really interesting. And he was talking about, confronting yourself in all these different ways and at all these different times in your life. And I was like thinking about living in New York. Sometimes I do feel like after being here for 20 years, sometimes I'll turn a corner and be on a certain street that I haven't been on in such a long time. Cause it's such a big city and you don't, it's not like you're driving around all parts of it all the time. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's my little ghost walking down that street over there, you know, <laughs> going to, Rafifi on a Friday night or something, you know? And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> oh, so I like that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. For dancing or for comedy? For,
2: well, dancing, really. <laughs> I did do some comedy there, but, or see some comedy there, but mostly I went dancing in that era. <laughs> yeah.
0: I wasn't sure what I was going to answer to this, but then someone um in the course of our conversation pointed out that we don't have a younger actor playing him in the flashbacks. I like his absence from the flashbacks I think it works really well for the movie and then when he does kind of like correct me if I'm wrong maybe I'm misremembering but he starts to interact as an old man with some of his I guess thoughts if you want to call them that and um I like that they go that approach rather than like casting someone and having him be a part of it like I think his absence from them makes them more haunting and uh abstract in a way and I like that that's the approach rather and adds that kind of almost surreal element that, like I said at the beginning of the show, I found was missing from watching it this time, but it's actually there maybe. And that's how they, they achieve it. Maybe that's why I remembered it as being more surreal is because of that, like disconnected feel that that's built into it. Um, I think it's just really effective. Also the cannons. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) has the movie, as far as you're concerned, stood the test of time or another way of framing it? Do you think it resonates today? And Steven, let's start with you.
1: Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I I think any movie where you're kind of on a road trip to kind of figure out who you are is always resonant, (laughs) no matter how old you get. And then um, second, I do like just the use of, you know, just kind of being more introspective about what your life was like and, you know, things that you might've made mistakes on or what people think of you and then kind of being willing to change, or at least thinking about changing. I think that that's kind of an important thing that people can always kind of come away with and figure out that it actually does resonate for them. So yeah, I I think it does. Michelle? What Steven
3: just said. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you said. And, you know, there are definitely some dated uh, elements to the movie and and, uh, Sarah the Hitchhiker, maybe a little bit of, Uh, of why the aversion to her like yeah it was kind of like to me it was a little bit of a dated performance but i liked it still um for what she served and she was entertaining but yeah i think the overall themes and 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 the um self-reflection and 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 the themes of loneliness and regret and uh, life choices are just timeless
0: alicia
2: yeah. I don't know what to say, but I think Stephen and Michelle both said it perfectly. <laughs> like I just, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's great. Like I would recommend it. Like I, I didn't have the same, I wasn't moved to the same extent this time as I was the first time I saw it. But I do think like what Steven said earlier, it probably just takes one significant birthday in your life for, you know, for it to take on that meaning again, or to take it on that meaning the first time or whatever. But yeah, it's, I mean, there's a reason that it still gets remade in a million different ways a million different times. Like there's something there's something there. Yeah. So for sure. Mia. Yeah, I mean,
4: I agree with what everyone said. And I think the lack of emotional impact, like Alicia just said, I think is just more of a timing issue for me personally. But I thought it was great. I think it's universal themes. I think pretty much anyone would watch this and come away with something and it's kind of nice like I feel good about this movie in a way that it's kind of like oh it's nice to look forward to this to think like oh I could watch this like I kind of feel like I have it in my back pocket and I know like oh if I feel sad I could watch this movie and feel sadder and that would be fun um so you know it's nice to have something to look forward to
0: yeah, I think it resonates. And I think it's largely because it's like an archetypal film in a way, as Alicia said, it's kind of been remade in all these different ways by, uh, in, in certain ways by, by other filmmakers. I, I definitely think knowing that Tarkovsky considered it one of his favorite films makes a lot of sense after having seen mirror. Cause I think that is a movie that is at its base doing the same thing of like having a lead character, who is looking back on their life and kind of trying to determine what did it add up to? Was it worth it? And um, What formed me? And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like having talked a second ago about um, the absence of our lead character in his own flashbacks in this movie, as I remember Mirror anyway, like we ba- barely see the main character in that movie. It's so much from his POV. So it's almost like pushing the envelope of what you could do with with that, and it's a much more surreal movie, I think, than this one. But it's off, like, but it, but at its core, it seems very related to this movie and just road movies in general. Like, yeah, I think a lot of road movies probably pull from this in a way of just being like a format through which you can examine things through having experiences that bring up stuff. You know, um, not that all road movies do that, but. Certainly, some do, and it's effective.
4: Oh, can I say one one last thing? In this, I, the like nightmare sequence, there was a little bit when after he watches his wife in that like affair scene, and he's talking to the other doctor, who was the guy, the like bad guy that they picked up, and there was that almost like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind clip. There, did anyone else notice that he was like? What, he said something about an a, a removal and an operation. And then he said, what's the, what's the price? And he said, loneliness. And it made me think of Eternal Sunshine and like getting your memories wiped. But then you have like the loneliness because you don't remember that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this was like part of the genesis for that idea and stuff. So I just didn't know if anyone else had noticed that or not.
0: I don't remember that. So I guess I didn't notice it. But I mean, there's almost no way that Charlie Kaufman isn't a huge Ingmar Bergman fan, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that all brings us to our bonus question, uh, which I think is obviously very related to what this movie is, as they normally are. Um, What is your favorite road movie? And um, how about we start with Mia?
4: It was hard to choose because I realize I like a lot of road and road trip movies. Um, But I decided to go kind of like in a different direction from what I was kind of originally like thinking with my answer and say Borat because I love that movie and it's a road movie. And I loved it when it came out, obviously, like like everyone else in America, like thought it was like so (laughs) funny and great. And then early was it in the pandemic. Yeah. Early on in the pandemic, like literally like April 2020, Jeremiah and I watched, um, rewatched Borat and like a couple other movies from that era and we were just like, oh my God, this movie is like still so freaking good, but like it was so scary. We were like, he knew what was coming with like the 2016 <laughs> election mm. and just like so much stuff. So if you haven't rewatched it recently, I would definitely say give it a watch. Like I would even be down to rewatch it again just to see like if there's even more stuff because obviously- like I said, we watched it in 2020, and like a lot of stuff has happened since then. Um, but yeah, I was just like, "Whoa!" Like Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius. He's so prescient. Um, so yeah, that's my pick for a road movie.
0: Yeah, I feel like some movies go into the wilderness or need to for a while, and like that—that that was one where like I thought it worked really well at the time it came out, and then there were several years where like if I watched that movie, I'd be like, "Ugh, cringe, not good." I mean, not 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 bad, but just sort of like. What were we all thinking in a way of like, but then it, yeah, it came kind of back around uh, uh, around the time that we watched it where it was like, this connects, this connects
4: there. But it's still also though, lots of like, like I, I remember my sisters and I making lots of like, she will break cage and get you jokes or things like that. And I'm (laughs) like, Oh God, like, yeah, Yeah. definitely (laughs) some of the like rape and things like that. Like we don't need those anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I had a hard time choosing too, because I was like trying to think of road movies, and then I just googled it just to see, and then I was like, oh my god, like there's actually so many good road movies. And um, but I think I'm gonna go with um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I just love that movie. It's it's just so funny and like life affirming and <laughs> weird and. <laughs> And also considering what this a lot of places in this country right now are trying to do to people that just want to dress up and drag and put on a show. I think it's like a good movie to watch to remind yourself that these are like people and they're just like you and me and they're not trying to do anything terrible. They're just trying to do their thing.
1: Good choice. Um, Steven, I'm going to go with The Wizard of Oz. Just because it's a real road. (laughs) No, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's kind of plays into what we're talking about with, you know, dreaming and and wanting to go home and, you know, getting friends along the way that you kind of help solve their problems. I think it's just a timeless movie and everybody's seen it. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. And
0: you could argue it's related to this movie in a way of like, uh, there's a character that is the same actor in both the (laughs) dreaming part and the like quote unquote real part. Mm -hmm. Um, Michelle.
3: Uh, Can I, can I say a tie? (laughs) Can I have a tie? Sure. Um, I'm going to go with uh, PB's big adventure because it's just like a perfect movie. (laughs) Yes. Great answer. (laughs) And also Thelma and Louise, which Mm I, I saw in college and it just like, bowled me over you know it just had such a big impact and then I I think I probably had seen it one or two other times along the way and then I think last year at the film forum they um had they actually had a great road movie series and um I saw it with a crowd again and it was it was awesome I mean there are definitely some dated aspects to that too like um it, uh scott like he plays you know instead of like a score like there's like like there are a couple, at least a couple of scenes where there's just like a kind of bad like 90s type of song playing you know right um but just i mean i don't know besides that i think it's perfect and screenplay is so perfect and 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 sarandon and davis were just like brilliant and their characters and the journey they went on was just so amazing
0: yes mia
4: and Have young you Brad seen it? Pitt? Oh, we yes. <laughs> just wanted you to name
3: all the actors. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And Harvey Keitel. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I love that
4: movie.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, all good answers. All good answers. I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember. I think I projected movies for a class in college called, like, that was about road movies for the cinema studies department at NYU. Um, it was a summer course, I think and uh but i'll get i'll i'll come back around to that in a second um the movie i'm going to say is children of men just cuz i love that ah. movie i think it's so good and i guess it counts as a road movie when i think about it like i, I don't know if that it comes to mind as a road movie right off but i was like looking at a bunch of movies that that i rate highly and it, it occurred to me that that should count and uh it's great um and but going back to that that class um, my college girlfriend uh, was in that class and wrote her final paper for that class me is <laughs> looking at me <laughs> uh, <laughs> wrote her final paper on after hours the Martin Scorsese movie mm-hmm. and was making the case that it's a road movie um, because it, it, even though it's just him trying to get from downtown Manhattan back uptown and I I thought it was like a really clever concept and actually was like i bought it i was like that's a good idea i and was oh and i'm still annoyed that she got like a lower grade on it because he was like it's not a road movie (laughs) and the professor was like it's not a road movie so lowering your grade from what would have been otherwise Mm -hmm. um which i thought was lame um justice
4: for (laughs) john
2: that is a journey that can 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 sometimes be a true Odyssey. Exactly. Exactly. People don't understand.
0: He was from Italy. So maybe I hadn't really thought about it that maybe he just didn't have the experience of trying to get across New York without a subway fare in the 80s. So <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, after hours, road movie. Let's let's start that let's start that cult. Um okay. So our next episode is my sixth pick. It is Beau Travel, directed by Claire Denis. It was released in 1999, available with a subscription on the Criterion channel or to rent via Apple, Amazon, Google, et cetera. And I'll just also point out again um, that this is a movie that entered into qualifying for this show in the 2022 Sight and Sound Polling which is part of the reason i picked it which i'll reiterate i'm sure when we cover it next episode well that's it for this episode of stereo active movie club you can subscribe to the show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts we invite you to join our conversations about movies by joining our facebook group and you can find a link to that along with our email address links to a lot of the places where you can find the show and other info by going to stereoactivemedia.com slash stereo movie club if you have a moment, please write and review the show on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. It helps others to find the show, and we really appreciate it. Also, you can get updates about this show and plenty of other stuff by following Stereoactive Media on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks for listening. Movie club. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.